Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Hello and welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. My name is Emily Collin. And I'm Laura Jolly. And LJ, it's July and we are back. And that is because the Aussie girls are about to depart for the UK ahead of a tri-series with Ireland and Pakistan for their first ever first ever entrance into the Commonwealth Games in, in Birmingham. So it's super exciting. On today's show, we've got uh, Shelley Nitschke, who is Australia's new interim head coach. So Shell joined us for a really great chat about her life in cricket before her first assignment as coach. Speaking of which, it's it's going to be a pretty different uh, coaching team heading over to the UK. LJ, some pretty big changes. Did you see any of that coming? Yeah, what, what a change it has been since the World Cup and last time we've recorded this show back in New Zealand. So as everyone would know, Matthew Mott has left. He's gone to coach England's men's white ball teams. Um, he got off to quite a good start against the Netherlands, I think. So good for Motti. Ben Sawyer has gone to coach the White Ferns. So that's going to be uh, a bit different seeing Benny in the White Ferns kit over at the Com Games. And yeah, Shell's stepping up to, to fill in as interim head coach this tour and joined by Dan Marsh and Jude Coleman. Yeah, so it's it's a totally different coaching outfit, but the team, on the other hand, is exactly the same. We've got exactly the same squad heading over to the UK, so the same squad that brought the World Cup trophy home from New Zealand. So I guess it's an interesting one. Like, on one hand, why would they change the team? But I guess probably the one player that we were maybe, like, having some questions about heading into the, into the um, sort of the T20, this T20 phase of the season was Elise Perry. So Pez, as we know, didn't, didn't feature in Australia's most recent T20s. So, but she's back in this squad and I guess it'll be interesting to see how she goes on this tour and whether she can, whether she can find her place back in that T20 squad. Yeah, it is interesting, particularly because as we've since learned, it, it wasn't just back spasms at the end of the World Cup that was causing her back issue. She's actually had a stress fracture in her back, which she's still recovering from. So they've already said she's not going to be bowling at the Com Games. She's going there purely as a batter. So it will be interesting to see how she is deployed and also whether they make a bunch of changes with four games in pretty close together during that tri-series against Ireland and Pakistan. It'll be interesting to see if they mix up the 11 and if they try out a few different people like Grace Harris or Wallow or if they, they really do stick to that 
solid first 11 that they they want to wheel out in the comp games. Yeah, I guess it'll definitely be interesting, especially when we've got a T20 World Cup on the horizon in February. So I'm sure they'll be wanting to to lock down some pretty solid combinations for how that T20 side looks. So I guess looking at the schedule beyond the Commonwealth Games, it's it's pretty different to what we've seen in the past. So often we've had an international side come over to Australia to tour in that September window, but uh, no such luck this year. But the benefit of that is that Australia's best players will be available for the WNCL. And we've got a, a full expanded home and away WNCL season, which, we're, which, which is super pumped for. Yeah, more games than ever before in the WNCL. They haven't played each other twice in a season since I think 2009, 2010. Back then, Tassie weren't in the comp. So this will be the longest, biggest WNCL season ever, which is super exciting. Totally. And then that'll flow straight into the WBBL, uh, the schedule for which has come out on Thursday. So it's it's a pretty great looking schedule. I mean, I for one, I'm so excited that the, the competition is returning home to every single club. I mean, there's what hasn't been in Melbourne for three years. The Sixers didn't play a home game at all last year. So I think it's, it's finally after three pretty disrupted years, it's finally going to be a return to normality, which is such a win for players, fans, us. I think it's it's going to be great. So, and then and then we've got Pakistan coming over, which is certainly going to be an interesting, different challenge for Australia. And then travel across to India before the T Twenty World Cup. So it's a it's a pretty different looking schedule for the Aussies. They're gonna it's not as much cricket in Australia, but they're certainly going to be busy. Yeah, there is, and I mean it's exciting to see Pakistan come over. They're definitely a team on the rise. I think they've got a just got a big pay rise. Some um, more contracts added into their system and they haven't been over here since 2014, I think. So that's exciting. And yeah, the, for the first time in a long time, the girls will be going overseas in December um, over to India for five T20s, which should be pretty awesome preparation for that T20 World Cup in February. Yeah, they're going to be a very, very busy team. But in the meantime, for fans wanting to watch the Tri-Series over in Ireland, we wish we could give you a clearer idea of whether you could do that, but we're hoping there'll be a live stream, but we will we will keep you updated as soon as we can, but can guarantee that all the Com Games action will be broadcasted live and free on Channel 7. So we hope you enjoy the action. But for now, here's a great chat with the great Shelley Nitschke. Shelley Nitschke, current interim coach of the Australian women's cricket team and former gun all-rounder. Welcome back to The Scoop, Shell. We've had you on a few times before, I think, but thought we'd have a, a bit of a longer chat with you considering you're now the new coach. So congrats on the new gig oh, and you. how are you feeling about it? Yeah, look, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to going away. It's been a pretty busy sort of, well, what's it been, maybe a couple of months since since Molly left. We've had a couple of camps and, and a bit going on. So I'm actually really looking forward to to getting across to Ireland now. And, um, yeah, what did you make of the news when you heard from from Waddy that he was going to be leaving and, and when you found out you were going to be the interim for the Com Games? I was uh, a bit flawed at the start, to be honest. I didn't know, um, you know, he'd obviously gone for the role and, uh, yeah, I didn't didn't sort of have any any idea. I think in hindsight I probably should have recognised that, um, you know, he's been with us seven years, so probably getting to the point where he – potentially we'll be looking for, for something else, another challenge. But at, at the time I I was um yeah, I was a bit blindsided and a bit a bit sort of shocked by the news. Um and then sort of to lose Benny as well in the in the next week or, or whatever it was. Um but in in between that I was asked to do the interim role interim role, which you know I was really quite honored to do and um 
knew that I would have Benny at my side, who'd been around for a while, <laughs> and then then obviously his news with with the Kiwi job. So it all sort of happened happened pretty quickly. But uh, I, I certainly didn't see um, didn't see Maori's news coming. And so heading into the Com Games, Shell as the head coach of the national team, I dare say that's probably something you never thought would be on the cards. Maybe ten years ago. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I think you know I sort of um, once I finished playing, I. I spent a bit of time away from the game and working in another industry and then sort of came back as a development officer in a, in a country region and done a bit of coaching of rep teams and things like that. And then an opportunity presented at, uh, at the Sacker and High Performance with a new role there. So I guess it's just sort of one thing has led to another. And, and you know, I think even people would sort of ask me when I, as an assistant coach, did I want to be the head coach one day? And I was sort of, you know, I wasn't too too sure or too fussed about it. I thought I had a bit of time to think about it, and um, but obviously I didn't have time to think about it. Uh, so yeah, it was certainly was something that I'd I'd given some thought here and there over the over the years, but I certainly didn't think it would be happening right now. And are you a bit of a sports nuffy? Are there any com game sports or, or athletes you want to watch or meet while you're over there? Uh, look, I wouldn't say. I'm a nuffy, but I certainly do enjoy watching, you know, different sports. And I always tune, love tuning into the Com Games and the Olympic Games when they're on. So there's always, you know, an underdog story or um, just some fantastic win. So um, no one or sport in particular, but I, I'm just looking forward to to hopefully seeing some, um, you know, some some good victories and some some really good stories out of the games. That's what I enjoy. And I guess it's going to be a pretty, like, different environment for yourself and the whole team. Like, how's everyone feeling about sort of getting amongst the Aussie, the whole Com Games team and getting amongst the village lifestyle, I guess? Yeah, look, I think um, now that we've had a chance to sort of find out a little bit more information and, and meet together and discuss as a group, I think everyone's sort of pretty excited about it. I think the fact that we're part of something bigger and, and a and a bigger Australian team is, is something different but also pretty exciting for the for the players to, to think that we're just a, a small part of you know a whole Australian team of different sports that's going to be over there competing so I, I think that's you know something really exciting for the girls and they're looking forward to to hopefully um, you know rubbing shoulders with some some athletes of, of different sports and and seeing how they go about things so I think it's it's going to be it's going to be different, but it's actually going to be really exciting for us. And how about playing cricket in Ireland? Is that going to be a bit different for the, the group as well? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, I think I only played there once. Some of the girls have played there once as well. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to present a, an, another challenge for us, and a new team, which we haven't met for a while, um, and playing at a, at a venue that we haven't seen. The conditions are going to be a lot different to over here in Australia. Um but, you know, hopefully that's going to give us a really good lead into the Com Games. Yeah, very good. It's going to be certainly going to be an interesting challenge over the next few months. But, Shell, we kind of, like, wanted to get to, like, know you a bit about outside of cricket. So what, like, what makes Shelley click outside of cricket? Like, passions, hobbies? Like, what does a dream day off look like oh, for you? Oh, what does a dream day off look like? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty sort of pretty boring probably I, I'd just no. uh, happy to probably sleep in read the paper lovely go shopping I'd like to, you know I do like to go surfing occasionally and then just a, a nice meal somewhere and not at a nice restaurant that 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 does me um if, if I'm in a nice you know if I'm on the coast or something with a with a sea view it'd be really good too <laughs> with, with a good and a good book would be nice 
And we know golf's pretty popular in the team. Are you one of the golfers or? Uh, golf. Um, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> that's a good question. I sort of come and go a bit with a golf group. So I think in New Zealand we had quite a, quite an entourage of golfers um, given that sort of there was a few, I guess, restrictions over there. So whenever you had a chance to, to get out and about, golf was a pretty good option because it's outdoors. So we had quite a quite a crew playing golf in New Zealand and I tended to – I started in the golf group but then um, a few poor performances and I, I um, <laughs> pulled myself out of the group and <laughs> was no longer participating at the end. So I'm still – I've got what, – what's today, Tuesday – I've got less than a week before I go. I'm still undecided if the clubs are making the trip. Oh, okay. Not really good for my relaxation purposes when I get on the golf course. No, don't worry, Shell. I'm with you. I've, I think I've quit forever for now. I'm done. I did have. A, I did. I did say that I was just having a little bit of a break. So I had a break, and then I came back. Yeah. And then it was no better. And I said, no, I'm, I'm out for the rest of the tour. So we'll, we'll see. It's, I haven't decided yeah, yet. It's too mentally taxing. <laughs> oh. Agree. So, Shell, like back, like let's go back to the beginning. Like when you were a youngster, what was it about cricket that drew you in? And like what was like what was it about the game that you loved so much? Oh, look, I think it was, um, you know, it was in my family, to be honest. My, my dad played um, forever and my brother played. Um, my mum didn't play. <laughs> She's not much of a cricketer, um, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, and and I, you know, it was just in in the family, and I was, I just had one brother, and so we just used to play all the time, but because so he could have someone to to play with, but um, I just used to hang out at his his cricket training sessions because Dad was coaching, so I was just sort of hanging around and and just waiting to to get a ride home, and and just thought it was easier to join in. Um, and I guess one thing sort of led to another and they needed some more players and, and I, I started playing and um, I guess, yeah, I, I was I was pretty good at it and, and I just enjoyed it. I, I don't really know why, what, what drew, drew me to it, but I just kind of was was part of our, our upbringing. And how old would you have been when you started playing? Uh, I think it was about 11. Yeah, I would have been sort of playing. That, that would have been my first structured sort of competition that, that we used to have some... Um, I guess scratch matches for all the for the all the the young kids didn't quite make the junior Colts team on a, on a Saturday morning. They used to come together and and have some some games as well. But um, probably first structured game would have been around eleven. And Shell, you're a very relaxed character now. Like were you a relaxed kid? Like was what was eleven year old Shell like when she was playing junior cricket? Yeah, I think so. I, I think um, that's always kind of been part of my nature I did develop a little bit of white line fever as I got older but always off off the field I was uh I was you know reasonably consistent I think with that and what was your pathway journey like um because I think you debuted for South Australia as a 24 year old so how did you get from taking up the game as an 11 year old to debuting for your state yeah it's been a a bit of a um yeah a a bit of a journey I suppose I I, like I said I started playing when I was 11 in the under 16s boys and played until you know I was too old for that um and and what I used to do I was playing cricket in the mornings and softball in the afternoons and then I got too old for the, the junior Colts cricket so to play, I could have played the men's cricket, but it then clashed with the softball in the afternoon. So at, at that point, I, I made a decision. I, I stopped playing cricket and just kept playing softball. Um, ended up going to uni in, in Adelaide and um, just sort of kept playing softball when it wasn't sort of till I was 
about, I reckon, 22, that I took up cricket again when I moved up to Catherine in the Northern Territory. And the softball competition had just folded and, and I started playing playing cricket up there and, and sort of, I guess, reignited my love of the game. And I guess the rest is history. I sort of made the, the SA team from, from the Territory and travelled down to those games. And, and then before we moved back to Adelaide in just prior to my Australian debut. What led you to pick it up back again when you moved to Catherine? Yeah, look, like I said, um, that I, I wanted to, to do something. The softball comp had closed and my, my partner, Chris, he was like, well, why don't you come out and, and have a go at cricket? Because I'd sort of mentioned a couple of things that I, I used to play. Um, so I went out there and, and played with the guys and that was, you know, that was really good fun. So I played in the, the men's comp in Catherine for about the whole four or five years I was up there and, you know, that was, uh, yeah, so much fun and, and probably realised then that um, how much I sort of missed the game and, and enjoyed the game as well. Imagine if you didn't do it. Like imagine if you just... I know, I know, right? Like I think, I actually think if I had spent probably a bit longer out of the game, I, I might have left it too late. So I sort of fell out of the game from probably 16 to 22. Um, I think if there'd been, you know, another couple of years on top of that, it kind of almost might have been a bit too late because I was 28 as it was when I debuted for Australia. So, um, yeah, I, I could have missed the boat, but just snuck in. So the four years between playing, um, like making your debut for the Scorpions, then making your debut as the Australian player, what was what was the four years in between that? Were you trying desperately to get into that Aussie squad? Oh, I think I was just going about my business with SA. I, I, for the first, I think for the first two years of that four years, I was probably living in the Northern Territory, still basing myself up there, playing cricket up there in, in what they call the dry season, which is our winter. So that was a bonus. I was getting to play games through our winter and just and then coming down in, you know, um, spurts during the summer to, to play state cricket. So I'd done that for probably two years and then I made the Australian squad. And I think um, not long after that, uh, I sort of made the decision that if I, I really wanted to you know, make a go of this, then it probably wasn't the best idea to be based in the Territory. Um, so I came back to back to South Australia, which is home, and, and had a gave it a real, you know, a real opportunity, I suppose, um, from there. So, uh, yeah, I guess I was just sort of going about my business and trying to get better all the time and, and was given that opportunity in the Australian squad before I debuted. And I guess you were combining that with work at the same time? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um we think I can't remember what year, but we we started having some small central contracts in sort of towards the back end of my career, I think. But you know, the whole time you were sort of juggling some sort of work and and trying to to fit it all in. So um, you know that that was a challenge, but it was it also gave you really good perspective as well and gave you some good good skills to cope. So I think that was part of. Um, I sort of think that that part of the reason that I, I was reasonably successful as a player was the fact that I, um, you know, I debuted for Australia when I was 28, and and I guess I knew that if um, if things didn't go well, if I didn't play well for Australia, and and my career ended quickly, then you know I was still going to be okay because I, I I had a job or I I knew how to get a job where I, I worked and I lived and I, I had a pretty good life prior to playing cricket for Australia. So if, if that didn't sort of come off for me, then, then life was still going to be okay. I was pretty happy. So do you think like as a 28-year-old, do you think maybe you had like a bit of added perspective or a bit of just life experience that kind of helped you like now? Yeah, I, I think so. 
I, I think so. I don't think, you know, I put too much pressure on myself because it had never been, um, you know, I, I never sort of set out to say, I just want to play Cricket Australia and that's all I want to do. It kind of just evolved. And um, the fact that when it happened, it was, you know, every time you know, I got picked to go on a tour to India and it's like, wow, this is awesome. Like, you know, I'm going to India. So if, if that had been the end of it, then I would have been okay. And then it was like, wow, I'm going to game. And, and again, if that had been the end of it, I, I'd have still been I'd have still been okay. So I guess internally, I, I never really put. Um, once I reached that stage, I, I never really put too much internal pressure on me that that this was the be all and end all. And, and you know, it's a, it's a funny thing because I think that actually helped me perform. So you you made your debut as you mentioned in India. Do you remember much about that day? Did someone present you with your cap, or, or do you remember what happened in that? Yeah, match? I do remember. I know. I, I remember the day. It was my dad's birthday oh, okay. on the 11th of December, nice. um, 2004. So. Um, yeah, Catherine Fitzpatrick presented me with my cap and we, we played at Mysore in India. So I certainly do remember that day. I think um, I think I'm, I think I got a wicket in that game and, and it was the last one I got for the series. <laughs> um, and uh, and we won and I, I managed to get a bat. I think I was batting down at 10 or 11, might have even been 11, and, and I batted with Rolts at the end. So, yeah, I certainly do remember that day. It was, uh, it was good. It was fond memories. And how did you find your early years in that Aussie team? Like, was it everything you expected? Like, and what was it? What was a tour like to India in two thousand and four? Yeah, it was. It was so much fun. Um, I think you know when I when I sort of got selected, um, I was a, obviously at that point just playing as a as a bowler, and I was a spinner, and I was going on my first tour to India, and mm. you know it was all. I was thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. And, you know, when when I say was it what I expected, 100%, it was so much fun. Yeah. And, you know, I knew, I think, off the field and the whole touring experience and just being part of that environment, I think I knew that's what I wanted, you know, that's where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And um, on the field, not so successful. Uh, so, you know, after that tour, I, I kind of said to myself, if, you know, if this is it, then then that's okay. But um, if this is not it, then I'm I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to make sure that you know I'm doing everything I can to to put my best foot forward and and perform to best. So on the field, I, I wasn't that successful, but um, luckily the selector stuck with me for a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. It's lucky they did because, as we know, you went off to South Africa for the World Cup in, in 2005 and. Didn't play the first couple of games, but then played the rest of the tournament, finished as Australia's leading wicket taker. You guys won another World Cup. What do you remember about that tournament and what changed for you when you, you got on that run with the team? Yeah, I think it was a in, you know, looking back on my career, it was a um a real turning point probably for, for my career and my standing in the team. Um I, I think in India, you know, I was I was probably um, even though I, I felt like I wasn't putting pressure on myself to perform, I was I was just ner- I was just nervous. Um, and sort of, yeah, didn't uh, didn't play how I wanted to play. Um, but I think in in um, in the South Africa tour, I, I probably um, I just sort of I think I just went and I, I just went away and I bowled a lot. And I thought I'm just going to bowl a lot here. I'm just going to make sure that I'm I'm doing everything I can. And I just really up my volume and my training. Um, and then sort of when when opportunity came along sort of throughout the tournament, I just sort of, you know, I don't think I ever really blitzed it, but I just kind of kept going along and doing doing okay and doing my job and playing my role. And then at the back end, um, was lucky enough to 
to find my way into a semi-final and then into the finals team. So at the start of the tournament, I don't think that that I would have been thinking that that was going to happen. I, I was sort of getting selected, you know, every time we'd play one of the sort of the top three teams, um, they were the games that I wasn't getting selected. And then the, the other teams was when I was kind of getting a bit of a run, but I, I just kept just kept putting my name up there. And um, and obviously they had some some faith in me in, in the back end. Um, so for me, that was, um, yeah, a, a pretty big sort of, I guess, turning point um, from from what's the start of my career to sort of understanding that, that yes, you belong here and, and you're good enough. Nice. How are the celebrations? Yeah, they were good. They were good. That was a really good World Cup actually. Like it was, uh, yeah, like you said, it was in South Africa and it was held at a, a little sort of High performance center in Pretoria, where all the teams stayed together. So mm. it was a, yeah, it was a really good World Cup. Obviously, we we won, which makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> and then it was onwards to England for the women's ash. So on Test debut, Shell, you scored eighty one, not out, and then you backed it up with uh, eighty eight in the second Test. England did manage to wrestle back the Ashes, but was Ashes cricket and Test cricket, I guess, something that you always enjoyed doing? Oh, 100%. Like, I think I was, you know, lucky that we, at that point, that was, um, I'm not sure if it was the last, but there was one of the last Ashes where we had the the two Tests. Um, So to be able to get to play two Tests that, that early, I guess, in my career was was pretty special. Unfortunately, you know, we we lost the Ashes on that tour. Um, but yeah, it was such a, a good experience, and just to be able to to be out there in the baggy green and, and the whites and stuff like that, and having an impact. Um, that they're pretty special Test matches. I think all the players will will tell you that. And unfortunately, we wanted to go back into the archives and watch vision of you playing, but sadly, that is just one of those things that doesn't seem to exist very much for the women's game. But can you tell us a bit about what how you saw yourself as a player and what your strengths were and what you put some of your success down to? Probably didn't realise it at the time, and I, and I talked to I guess one of my old coaches, Mark Sorrell, used to always tell me that um, I just love being in the contest and. Yeah, when when sort of when the chips were down, that was kind of when I was at my best, and I, I guess that that was part of the reason, probably with the ball, that I was always just able to compete. Um, and and like I said, only looking back on that now, and and sort of discussing with him what he thought about about the way I approached the game. He, he thought that was one of my real assets. Um, I suppose when I first came into the Australian team, I was playing as a bowler only, and um, we had such a strong batting order, so I was batting way down the, the list um, and and that was sort of something that um, I was really um, wanting to to make my way up um, and and I think you know it was probably that determination and that willingness to work that and also the fact that I was getting opportunity in my state up the order as well to be able to just keep putting putting my name forward so um, that was one thing that I was pretty pretty focused on I think that I, I wanted to, to to get up the order. Did you work harder on your batting or your bowling? Uh, oh, good question. Look, I think I think most people would say that you, you can hit balls. I would have hit balls forever and <laughs> if I was allowed to. Um, but no, I, I think I did find try and find a balance. But yeah, maybe the batting kind of it was always just that much fun to bat. Yeah, yeah. And what about fielding? I don't know. Like I wish I could have seen, but I kind of just get the sense that you would have been 
a gun in the field? Oh, no. Actually, no, um, no I wouldn't say I was a gun. I, I think I um, I was really safe with my hands yeah. um, and, and, you know, I, I had good skills. I wasn't the most athletically gifted, so I certainly wasn't one to throw myself around and make all these tremendous dive saves. But I, um, I was pretty safe with my hands, and was I was pretty reliable. Nice. And did that, you that, did you train hard? Like, were you one of the harder trainers in the team? Yeah, I was a I was a, a pretty hard trainer. Yeah, I, I think once I'd sort of got to that point where I was playing in the team, I was like, all right, wouldn't. Well, I'm not. I'm not leaving now. Um, so, and to be to be fair, I, I had a bit of work to do. I think you know, even though it was so much fun being in the territory, and when I was playing up there, I probably wasn't doing myself any favours in regards to my physical prep. Even though I was doing the work, just not doing it in a group and and having those other players around to drive you. So I probably had a little bit of making up to do in that department from from those years when I that I spent up there, where you're just not training in the group, so you, you sort of don't get that same. Um, you know, work or or, mm. or out of your your workouts, I suppose, as you do when you're in a group setting. So, I I did have have a little bit of work to do there, but um, yeah, my skills are okay. So, yeah, with that in mind, what kind of a change was it when you came into the Aussie setup, knowing I know BC ran a pretty tight ship there, and that was a, a very hard working culture in that team. So, what was it like coming into that? Yeah, like I, I think you sort of you knew. You found out pretty quickly that it was a, you know, it was a really hardworking team, and um, not one to cut corners, and and making sure you're sort of doing everything you can to to make sure that that you're as best prepared. Uh, but I but I think also, you know, my fitness wasn't probably fantastic at the start, but it was certainly just about the effort. And if you were doing everything you can to be the best you absolutely could, then you know. It was, it was, you know, that that's what it was all about. And how do you think your teammates, like you played alongside some of the greats of the game, as you said, Roltz, like Stalaker, Lisa Kitely, Fitzy presented you with your cap. Like how would they have described you as a, as a teammate and a player? Yeah, good question. Um, Fitzy always used to tell me that I got the, what'd she say? I reckon you got the most out of yourself. So, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> Maybe she's telling me I'm not that naturally gifted, but I used to work hard, so I was successful. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I hope they had fun playing with me, but um, I certainly had fun playing with them. <laughs> and, yeah, it was a, a very different level of professionalism back then. How did you, when you were playing for Australia, how did you find that balance between trying to be being an elite athlete but also having to, I guess, support yourself and, and not having a that same contracts they have these days yeah I think um look there's no doubt at times it was it was tricky um I think I was pretty lucky and and blessed with some really good employers um that that were really supportive of of what I was doing which I think was probably the the key to the key to it to be honest I I know some weren't so lucky and were you know rostered off casual rosters and things like that. So um, I was pretty lucky with some of my employers with just that flexibility and um, around what I was doing. So, yeah, like it, it, it was tricky, no doubt, but I think you just make it work and you, and you learn to make it work. And you get a close-up view, as we know, to the way the current Australian team operates. How, like, how does it differ, like how in 10 years or so, like how, how have things progressed? Oh, look, so much. Um, you know, obviously now the girls are, are full-time professional athletes, which is a massive shift. Um, you know, the, we've got much more, a lot more staff and resources for them. Um, the states are, are, are better resourced as well. 
So, you know, back in their, in their home states, you know, I think about the last couple of years with the, with the COVID pandemic and we haven't been able to have any camps up here, um, but the states have just been done a fantastic job of preparing the players. So we certainly haven't, haven't missed much there. So the states are really well resourced. Um, you know, and in saying that too, the girls are, are professional athletes and there is also a lot more requirements on them as professional athletes. So, um, you know, I think that the media and the role modeling and um, the, the marketing stuff they have to do, it's, it's, it's all grown um, as, as the game has grown. And um, as Fitzy mentioned, you, you got the most out of yourself. <laughs> um, you scored your first international 100 in 2009, played every game at the 2010 T20 World Cup win. You won four consecutive Belinda Clark Awards, which is crazy. And you were the number one ranked bowler and all-rounder in the world. And then you retired. <laughs> <laughs> what That yeah. decision, did that come out of, of the blue for some of your oh, I think, oh, not really. I mean, I, I was 34, so I certainly wasn't, um, a spring chick and I think that you know goes to the fact that I was 28 when I started obviously so um, yeah I, I felt like um, I'd had a really good run of it um, I always wanted to go out on my terms and and sort of when I was reasonably on top of my game and 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 go out that way that was that was something that I was really strong on and I think you know the sort of Physically, I was I was okay. I think the T20 game was really starting to to take off, and it was time for me to really start to to go back to the well and and you know um, dig in and, and change a few things. And and I just wasn't sure if I was up for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, what yeah. did you what did you do after you retired? What did I do? I I got away from the game for a little bit. I went and worked. Um, for a little bit for the sports commission, and then I worked for um, <laughs> uh, Healthcare Australia and a nursing agency role, training up uh, nurses in their, their CPR and manual handling and running that program. So I'd done that for a little while um, before I sort of came back to cricket and worked as a development officer. And you came out of retirement for WBBL01. Mm. How did that come about? And it was a dual coaching role, wasn't it? Yeah, so Max sort of, or Andrew McCauley sort of spoke to me. Um, I was coach, I was doing the assistant coach role with the Scorpions at that stage as well. And she sort of said, oh, look, it'd be really good to have you involved on the field. Um, and I was like, nah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> um, anyway, she talked me into it. <laughs> what did she say? Just just convincing? Oh, she just thought it'd be stop. great to be, yeah. um, you know, a mentor and, and things like that. And yeah, so so I did, but um, yeah, it was good fun. You glad? So you glad you made that decision? Oh, I wouldn't say I'm glad. <laughs> Got me fit again, anyway. <laughs> and so, Shell, like when you were sort of working for the nursing agency and everything, did you still sort of think that you wanted to get into coaching? And what did that pathway look like? Oh, uh, not not particularly. I think you know when when the job came up. Um, back at the SACA doing a development role was in the country region, which really, um, really appealed to me. So I, I took that role and, and, you know, that was really good. Part of the role that I really enjoyed was coaching the rep teams. Um, so the, the young under 14 and under 16 rep teams, the boys teams from, from in the country areas, I had a few, a few roles doing that. And, and that was part of the, a really small part of the role, unfortunately, but I really enjoyed that. Um, so when, when sort of the opportunity came up in the high performance department at the SACA with the new role that had been created, 
um, I sort of thought, yeah, this would, this would be, I think this would be really good. And and probably when I got back into that role and, and more so into this role with the Australian team, it was like, yeah, I think high performance is where I really want to be. Yeah, because I remember you you worked with the CA11 boys, I think, at the national championships too at one point. And was that part of that high yes. performance experience you enjoyed? Yeah, it was. So so at that point, I think I was doing the, the country role, the development role, and I had the opportunity there to, to work with Ryan Harris with the, the CA11 um, at the under-19s carnival. So that was another one of the experiences along the way that I sort of started to think, actually. And then I also was um, took a, a shooting – we used to have the Shooting Stars team. I took one of them teams to Sri Lanka at one point. So every time I was kind of involved in that environment, you know, I really enjoyed it. And um, when the opportunity came to get involved full-time, yeah, it was it was timely. And Shell, so we've heard about the type of cricketer you were, the kind of person you are away from the game. What about your coaching style? What kind of coach are you? I have to ask the players that. <laughs> I think uh, I actually, I think I'm still pretty relaxed. I'm, I'm not sure. Like um, I did, like I said before, I did used to get a little bit of white line fever as a player, but I, I, I don't tend to sort of have that so much as a coach, um, which is, which is probably good. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I do still come up with the odd really competitive comment and, and things like that. But, you know, I think I, I like to think that I create a, a pretty relaxing environment for the players to to sort of be able to express themselves and speak up. But they're probably the best ones to answer that for me. Do you think there's anyone in particular that you've worked with who's kind of like shaped you into the into the coach you are today? As in when I was a player? Oh, like even just coming through coaching, coaching ranks? Yeah, I mean, I think... You, you sort of you, you change, I think, along the way, and how you approach things, and and sort of soon before you settle on your own style. And and I think all the players that have kind of coached along the way have probably helped that in in their own way with the the sort of the feedback. And I think it's also about the the confidence that you you draw from from what you do. So, you know, I, I spend a lot of time throwing balls to Beth Mooney and, and she's usually a, um, a good one to give me some some pretty good feedback into to what I'm doing and what the group's feeling and, and you know, particularly with the Scorchers as well and, and, you know, how I come across and things like that, which is actually quite handy. Um, but I think, yeah, a, a lot of players along the way sort of with their, their bits and pieces of feedback and, help you become the, the coach you are and mould you into your, you know, what you, how you want to be. But I think at the start and as you grow, you, you sort of, you do what you think you should do and then and then you end up finding your own way there somewhere. And you've been around this Aussie team for, I think, over four years now. How have you seen them grow and develop during that time? Yeah, it has. It's been, yeah, it has been just over or coming up to over four years. So, look, I think Meg, you know, captaincy has grown, you know, a lot. And I think it's just been really nice. You see some players, and I speak about Moon, who's taken her game to, you know, another couple of levels and, and people like Talia McGrath. So, I think you know, the, the leadership and the environment that's been created has just enabled players like that to flourish. And we see now some of the, the kids that come in pretty much settle in really quickly. I think, you know, Alana King having an impact straight away in the sort of series and the summer that she's had for someone who's in her first summer with the Australian team, I think it's, you know, it's been a testament to sort of the environment that's been created and allows people to kind of come in and, and I guess be themselves and, and, and play their own style. And so, Shell, as we know, like this team has experienced like a ridiculous amount of success over the last five or so years. Like, if you were speaking to someone who didn't really know cricket, like how would you explain like why they've been so dominant 
and so successful? Oh, look, I'd say to someone who didn't know cricket, I'd say it, it's I'd say they're, they're so good, but it's a combination of um, a number of things. I, I think they've got um, some really strong leaders in, in Rachel and Meg, but also some really good leaders within the group. Um, they've got a really good environment uh, that is player-driven and, and player-led um, and a really good – and the players drive the culture and the values. I think there's also some – you know, once in a generation, there's a couple of once in a generation players within that group, um, which, which certainly help. And I also think that the depth of Australian cricket helps, um, you know, the new players coming in find their feet. You know, Talia McGrath has come in and done really well, really, mm. you know, settled in pretty quickly. So I think the depth of Australian cricket also pushes the girls at the top to get better because I know there's there's other players coming. So I think it's a it's a pretty good combination of, of a, a number of things. And you talked about those values and, and how they're player-led. I know the team had a, a camp, I think, last month where you, you sort of went over those values again and talked about them. What does that look like for the group going forward into a, a slightly new era? Yeah, look, to, to be honest, that was a discussion that the players had amongst themselves. And I think that's that, again, is one of the strengths of the group that, that they're able to go and do that and and then drive that from within. So um, they've they've reviewed the the values, and um, I think had a had a discussion about what what it means to them right now, and what it means for the next sort of six to twelve months for them. So that was a, a player player only discussion, and and I'm I'm quite comfortable with that. And and I know that that Rach and Meg will sort of lead the way on that, but. But the, the way they're going to go about their business in, in the next 12 months is is driven from those values and, and I'm quite confident um, in, in them doing that. Very exciting times ahead. Shell, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you about your life as a cricketer and as a coach and thank you for joining us and we, we wish you all the very best over in Ireland and the Commonwealth Games and we'll see you over there. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Donaldson strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.